Former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, O lover of God, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his death by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is about the Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Our study in Acts begins with Dr. Mitchell explaining the reasons Jesus went back to heaven. We are in Acts chapter 1 verse 9. While Dr. Mitchell states that the Lord Jesus is in heaven preparing a place for us who know him and he is preparing us here on earth for that place in heaven. Dr. Mitchell recounts several scriptures which describes what our Lord Jesus Christ is doing now in heaven on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Since he continues forever, he is able to save forever all those who draw near to God through him, since he ever lives to make intercession for them. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 13 also states that Jesus in heaven is waiting until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. Did you know that Jesus still has enemies on earth? Well, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 9 with Dr. Mitchell here on The Unchanging Word, Bible Broadcast. You know, when I started reading this book of Acts, I couldn't help but think about uh, my early days of my ministry, the Word of God, how I longed to know the Word of God. 
and I wish I could understand the Word of God. And one day someone gave to me a little book by Dr. C.I. Schofield on rightly dividing the Word of Truth. This is my first library, besides Cruton's Concordance, which I read backwards and forwards, and then I had with a Bible, and then I got Schofield's Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth, and then I got W.R. Newell's book on Romans, the first eight chapters, 25 cents copy of the first eight chapters of Romans. My, this is my library. I want to say to you, friend, if you're a young believer, <clears throat> you're a young Christian, you haven't had much to do with the uh, study of the Word of God, I would suggest to you to get the little copy of Schofield's Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. It's a little weak copy. It won't cost you very many cents if you go to the, to the book rooms, wherever you are. I would, I, would like, I would like people to know that little book. I used to buy them by the hundred. I used to pay 12 cents for them. It was called fat bread in those days, little wee thing you could put in your vest pocket. And I give them away by the hundreds. And I thank the Lord for the effect it had upon so many people. The little simple book on rightly dividing the word of truth. I suggest you get a copy if you haven't got one. I do that because I wanted to say that because it was um, it was the first little booklet that I ever read that opened up the scriptures to me. You think of a man who'd had no background in the scriptures, and then to and to find a little book that opened up the Word of God. People say to me, Mister Mitchell, I I read and read and get nothing out of it, or I get so little out of it, and sometimes it looks as if one passage contradicts another passage. Well, you get that little book, Rightly Divine the Word of Truth, by Dr. C.I. Schofield, and it will be a real blessing to your own heart. Now, let's get back to our study in the book of Acts, chapter 1. I was talking in our last lesson about the ascension of our Savior. You remember the Lord Jesus had given his final word to the disciples that they would receive power, the Spirit of God coming upon them, and they would be his witnesses all over the world. That was the that was the responsibility he placed upon his disciples. And not only his disciples, but for you and me. As you could say in Luke 24, you are witnesses of these things. The Lord Jesus went back to glory, and he left the job to you and to me. But you know, as I said in our last lesson, a great many of God's people know quite a bit about what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross and in his death, burial, and resurrection. And then they also know something about the coming of the Lord. In fact, it's a wonderful thing to know as one reads present-day newspapers and magazines together with your Bible, we realize that the coming of the Lord must be very, very near. That is, at this age of grace, this dispensation of grace has come to about an end. And as I see the way things are going today, I can't help but believe that we're in the end time, and we can look any day for the coming of our Savior. And that's wonderful. But you see, friend, I'm down here in weakness. I'm down here in frailty. I'm down here in a body that's not yet redeemed. I need someone who can plead my cause, who could undertake for me, for you, who understands our frailty, understands our circumstances, and know something about our failures and our weaknesses. Isn't it wonderful we have a man at God's right hand? Let me read it again. 
when Jesus had spoken these words, Acts chapter 1, verse 9, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while he looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? You see, they had seen the Lord Jesus leave them in a cloud. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now, there's no question in the minds of these disciples that it was the same Jesus who would walk the earth with them. And they saw him not only raised from the dead, but ascended to God's right hand. I want to stop for a moment again. I would like to say a word or two about this, the reason why our Savior went back to heaven. May I suggest, for example, in John chapter 17, verse 5, Jesus said to his Father, Father, I have finished the work you gave me to do. Now glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. If ever there was a scripture which deals with the deity of Jesus Christ, of Jesus of Nazareth, it's right here. Father, I have finished the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the earth was. When Jesus went back to heaven, he was glorified with all the glory of the omnipotent God. You know, this, can I, can I suggest this to you? The 24th Psalm, the psalmist writes, Open up ye everlasting doors, and let the King of glory come in. Who is this King of glory? All heavenly hosts are asking the question, Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong, mighty in battle. Open up and let him in. Let the King of glory come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Now, why, does, why should the psalmist write that way? Under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. Because an unusual thing was taking place. There was a man called Jesus Christ who had been crucified on a cross of shame, had been buried in the tomb, had been raised again with the body that was nailed to the cross. And my friend, let me be, be very clear and precise about this, because all the way through the book of Acts, we're talking, we're going to be discussing the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which was the theme of the early apostles. They preached Jesus and the resurrection. And when the Bible speaks of the resurrection, it's talking about the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In John chapter 20, our Lord could say to Thomas, Thomas, you don't believe it's a body, do you? Take your finger and put in the holes in my hand. Put your hand into my side. Feel me, handle me. It is I myself. No wonder Thomas could cry out, My Lord and my God. A real man. Let me tell you, my friends, that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died for the whole man. Not just for my soul or my spirit, but for the body too. That's why in Thessalonians 5, now the God of peace sanctify you wholly, 
And I pray, God, your whole being, spirit, soul, body, be preserved, blameless unto the coming of our Lord. You take in Thessalonians 4, the dead in Christ shall rise first. The word resurrection doesn't mean anything if that which died is not raised. The body that dies, it's the body that's going to be raised. When our Savior was crucified, he died and his body was put in the tomb. And when the women went to the tomb, the tomb was empty. And he appeared in that same body to the disciples. And with that same body, he went to glory. Now, here's a new thing. The man Christ Jesus, entering into the glory, went up in a cloud. And the cry came, Open up ye everlasting doors and let the King of glory come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He's the King of glory. As you have it in, in Corinthians chapter 2, For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What I'm trying to get to your heart is that a real man in heaven, touched with a feeling of our infirmities. And this Jesus of Nazareth, in praying to his Father, said, Father, I finished the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Again, may I suggest in John 14, 1 to 3, when Jesus said to the disciples, in answering the question of Peter, when Peter said, Lord, where are you going? The Lord Jesus answered, where I'm going, you can't come now, you'll come afterwards. Why can't I come with you now? You remember that? And the Lord said, Peter, before this night is out, before the cock goes twice, you'll deny me three times. But let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. See, for 1900 years the Lord has been preparing a place in the glory for his people. And down here he is preparing us for that place. That's very simple, isn't it? All the tests and trials through which you and I may go are part of God's program to fit us for glory. Well, aren't we fitted for glory through the work of Christ? Yes, we stand before God in all the beauty and all the righteousness of Christ. That's true. We've been forgiven every transgression. That's true. But you see, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, We all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we are being changed. That process of change is starting now. And all the tests and trials of life are part of God's program. See, God is, doesn't work at these things haphazardly. God cares for his people. He cares for you. He cares for me. And the tests of life, sometimes I don't understand them. That's true. And sometimes I feel the Lord. That's true. But be that as it may, all the tests and trials and afflictions and sorrows of life are part of God's program and purpose to fit you and me. See, he's doing a job. 
as Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship. We are his craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. See, the Lord is, is doing a job on each one of us. Marvelous thing to realize this. Paul says the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14, or is it 16 to 18, the last two or three verses of the chapter, 16 to 18, where Paul says these light afflictions are just for a moment. They're working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So you see, the Lord Jesus is in the glory preparing a place for us. Boy, it must be a wonderful place. For 1,900 years he's been doing this job. I go to prepare a place for you. It's going to be wonderful, going to be marvelous. The human mind can't begin to express or to understand or even to peer into the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. And he's preparing us for that place. And my friend, may I say again, God's always on time. God is always on time. That's a wonderful thing. He cares for you and me. He loves you and me. He's fallen in love with us. That's the amazing thing, isn't it? He has us not only on his heart, he has us in his heart, and he cares for us. The eternal, wonderful, glorious, sovereign God cares for you and me and he's praying for us, and he's preparing a place for us. So when I read a verse like this, he was taken up from the earth and went back to heaven, I can't keep, but think of these verses, that the Lord Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And then remember too, as I've just said, we're, we are in weakness down here, so I must have a man touched with the feeling of my infirmities. So again, when I come to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 18, He's able to succor those that are tested. In chapter 7, verse 25, he's able to save perfectly all those who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. In Hebrews 9, 24, he now appears in the presence of God for us. He's our representative. In 1 John chapter 2, the first two verses, he's our advocate. See, friend, I'm so glad the Lord Jesus not only finished the work on earth, but I'm glad for what he's doing now for us in heaven. He's representing us to the Father. He's interceding for us. He's advocating our case when we fail, prays for us in our frailty, and stands before the Father representing you and me. So I can say very clearly and say very bluntly, that the Father never sees any of his children apart from the Son of God. He sees you in Christ. What a wonderful thing. And he not only represents us to the Father and intercedes for us in our weakness and advocates our case when we fail, but he became the head over all things to the church, which is his body. You remember, you find that in Ephesians chapter 1 where Paul prayed in verse 19, we might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand, far above all principality and power and so forth, 
and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. I'm quoting from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 to 23. See, this is what you have. So I, I want to make it very, very clear. He must be in heaven to represent you and me. He must be in, the, in heaven to receive his eternal glory. He must be in heaven on the throne to advocate your case and my case. We have a mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And he re- represents us to the Father. And the Spirit of God in you and me represents him to us. And he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Now, when you come to the book of Acts, chapter 1, we see God's preparation for the church. I say again, we, we have his ascension. He must be at the place of authority. He must be on the throne to work out his own purpose and plan in you and in me. That's why when you come to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, the topic of the ministry, the conversation, the manner of life of the elders of the church is what? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. And he must be in heaven before we can receive the Spirit of God. And so the channels through whom God is going to work are his disciples, his people. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. This marvelous, marvelous thing that he was in the glory representing you and me. And they're going to be filled with the message of a risen, ascended Lord. No wonder. I tell you, my friend, no wonder when I read the rest of the book of Acts how God can take men. I don't care who they are. He can take you and he can take me and transform us into flaming evangels of the gospel of the grace of God. Think of dear old Peter, for example. Where was Peter? An old commercial fisherman. Crude, yes. Cursing fisherman. And the Lord took this man and absolutely transformed him. This man, Peter, believed that Christ not only died on the cross to put away his sins, but he believed he was exalted to be a prince and a savior, to be Lord in Christ, that his savior the one he walked with and lived with, communed with, not only died, was raised again from the dead, but went back into heaven. In fact, these disciples, <coughs> if I were to go back to the book of Acts, to the book of Luke, pardon me, they went back to Jerusalem filled with great joy. Well, you know, as a rule, when a person leaves you and leaves this world for heaven, people are generally filled with sorrow. No, these ones were filled with great joy. They went back to heaven. And they, were, they went back to Jerusalem filled with joy because their Savior was going to be on the throne. I wonder if you and I really, really believe this. Has it ever got a hold of your heart and my heart that this blessed Savior who died and rose again is now glorified with all the glory of the omnipotent God, that your Savior and my Savior is on the throne representing you, praying for you in your frailty, advocating your case when you fail him, and that he has promised to return, and that there's not a moment of the day, 
There's not a moment of the day he ever leaves you or forsakes you. And he has all authority in heaven and all authority in earth. It's a strange thing about us Christians. We'll trust God for eternity, trust our eternal souls to God for eternity. But we can't trust him any day, 24 hours a day. You see, we've forgotten he's on the throne, working all things out after the counsel of his own will. We've forgotten that he said, all authority is mine in heaven and in earth. Go ye and disciple all nations. So today, why don't you revel in the precious Son of God? Have some fellowship with the one who is on the throne. You mean I can come within the veil and talk to him? Yes, my friend. Yes, my friend. The work of Christ has fitted you to come in the presence of a righteous, holy, sovereign God and have real fellowship, not only relationship, but fellowship with him. And you can have that precious fellowship today. Why don't you do that? Why don't you let him work out his own life and purpose in you? Enjoy him today. Talk to him as your friend, not only as your Savior and Lord, but as your friend and open up your heart to him and he'll meet your every need and do this for his name's sake. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.